So, I don't know if you are able to all hear. Uh, could you guys all hear Chung fine out there? Yeah? Okay. Good. Um, so, if I understand the gist, Chung, you're saying that uh, you, at times sacrificing, but serving the Lord had a, had a greater payoff from God in good things happening to you. Uh, it's not an equation. It's not a straight equation, but God has been good to you. Uh, so, uh, I think that's the topic today. I think it's something that uh, Christians should ask, or if not should, we do anyway. Uh, certainly the world asks, why should anybody belong to a religious group or believe in God or have faith? What's the payoff? Uh, are there perks? Are there perks to being a Christian? Is it worth it? Uh, if you were to ask that question, uh, from a biblical standpoint, um, as a Bible teacher, I would say a huge yes. Huge yes. There, there is a tremendous perks uh, to being a God follower, and there is tremendous blessing. But at the same time, I, I want to uh, think about what that means. Uh, in, in some ways, it's not so much perks as it is also quite a sensible blessing. There is extraordinary covenant blessing as in God completely taking care of those He is connected to, He is related to, and He will uh, go to the ultimate ends to take care of us. And that's ultimately showed in the giving of His own Son in our place. And so, will, does God have our back? Absolutely to the, the most utmost degree. But also, it, it's, a, it's a sensible blessing too. Because if you think about a question like, uh, are there perks to uh, listening to good advices from your parents and your teachers? Do things tend to t turn out pretty good when you listen to good advice that's time-tested and tried and true? Yes. Uh, are there perks to... Um, good diet and healthy living style, exercise and good hygiene. Are there perks? Yeah. You're healthier. You, you generally do better. Uh, but there is life design uh, that is really celebrated and promoted in the Bible because God is the creator of life and He continues to encourage us down that path. So there is tremendous blessing in a very sensible designer recommended sort of way. Uh, but also, there is a covenantal, special, uh, packed blessing, as in God who is not willing to ever let you go uh, or be ever be far from you. So we experience those kinds of blessings. And we see that throughout the scriptures. In Genesis chapter 6, we see that God favored Noah because he was a, a God-fearer. And he was uniquely saved, obviously, from that first great judgment of, uh, you know, water, uh, water judgment, and he uniquely survives. Um, we see a pattern of God's special favor upon His people throughout. And then when we get to Acts chapter 7, as Deacon Stephen is being persecuted, he basically goes over Old Testament Jewish history. And Jewish history is that of God's extraordinary favor with His people. And if you look at the world, I mean, if you are uh, interested in uh, even just the world history and phenomenon, and if you, if you just have a 
gleaning um, sample of how uh, the world transpired up to now, uh, Christian countries tend to be quite prosperous. Uh, and Western civilization and its you know, prominence is, is a good example of that. Does anybody know, and many of you guys are in business so, and have taken like economics course in, in college, but does, can anybody answer what is an economic uh, or, or opportunity cost? Anybody? Can, can somebody just kind of delineate what opportunity cost means? Oh, come on, we have business people here. No takers? I, I was sure that somebody would answer, so I actually didn't prepare an answer. <laughs> Ooh. Okay. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll give you a shorthand version, okay? Opportunity cost is not a cost that you upfront pay, but it's the, it's the uh, loss that you incur uh, by the opportunity that's foregone. That could have worked out for you in a beneficial way, but it didn't come because you... Uh, the opportunity uh, was, was passed up or lost. That's opportunity cost. So opportunity cost is not measurable immediately. Uh, it could be quantified, but usually it's, it just passes by you uh, and you're usually left to deal with what's in your face. Um, there is a, a great opportunity cost in a society uh, that, it, that, that doesn't love one another in a society that is unethical, in a society that is suspicious of one another, in a society where a trade is strained by all kinds of uh, trust problems and unfair regulation or no regulation, you see? But when people are, uh, are generous and trusting, trustworthy, and there is fair go, and there is a sense of confidence in your social uh, economic environment, then those nations tend to prosper. And whenever gospel went into places, it changes lives, it changes ethics of people. Uh, God's divine kingdom ethics, according to His design, intrudes in what would otherwise be a dog-eat-dog -dog society because individuals change, society changes, and it makes for a better society. I'll tell you an ethic that's uh, laid out in uh, Romans chapter 8. Check this out. Uh, Romans 8, 14 through 18 says, Bless those who persecute you. So that's that Jesus' ideal about loving your enemies. Um, bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one evil for evil, but give but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Okay? Now, can you imagine a society where everybody works by this code of ethics? Then wouldn't that environment be just the kind of place where you want to live and just the kind of place where you want to work? And if everybody uh, behaves according to those codes, uh, then it just makes for a more prosperous living because everybody's giving more than they take and is generous to all, right? Uh, that has been a transformative uh, ethic uh, that intruded into 
what used to be uh, the barbaric people. Uh, literally, uh, when Rome was sacked by the barbarians, if you're familiar with ancient history, those barbarians were none other than just Europeans. But as Rome was sacked and Christianity, again through a, another phase of persecution, uh, went out into these barbarian regions, as the gospel started taking root, uh, these barbarian uh, nations uh, that would eventually become Germany, France, Italy, and England, and Spain, these places uh, became transformed by the gospel. That's not to say that there wasn't corruption on different governmental uh, institutional levels, but uh, people came to fear God, and uh, these kingdom ethics became social ethics, and prosperity came on to them as well. Uh, but there is great favor of God. Let me read us a few passages, and if you want to take note of some of these verses as a promise reminder as you go to work, uh, I would really encourage you to do so. First, let me just start out with Acts chapter 7, verses 9 and 10, where Deacon Stephen, um, as he's about to be stoned to death, he reiterates uh, the Old Testament history, and he says, The patriarchs, jealous of Joseph, meaning uh, the brothers of Joseph, jealous of him, sold him to Egypt, sold him into Egypt, but God was with him. That's really important. God was with him and rescued him out of all his afflictions and gave him favor and wisdom before Pharaoh, king of Egypt, who made him ruler over Egypt and over all his household. Um, the story of Old Testament and its narrative drama uh, would be much less interesting uh, when we count out these obscure, small, weak characters who would otherwise be just wiped away in oblivion is actually uh, emerged prominent because of extraordinary interventions of God. And, and that's what carries the drama of the Old Testament, which ultimately carries over to us Christ, and Christ and His grace and the Spirit carries us today. Uh, Psalm 5:12 says, For you bless the righteous, O Lord, you cover him with favor as with a shield. There is a special favor with God's people. And I don't mean this in a health and wealth gospel sort of way. It's not an equation where, you know, you give your homage to God and then cha-ching, you get your, your pockets get fat. That's not what I'm saying. But when you understand uh, the true author and conductor of life and the world as being the sovereign God and you walk in His steps, He intervenes in your life and through you in such a way that is not ordinarily possible. And that's part of our Christian faith as we see God move in the drama of history. Uh, Psalm 90, 17 uh, is another favorite passage. Let the favor of the Lord our God be upon us and establish the work of our hands upon us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. Um, that's especially pertinent as you set your hand to do the work that you do from Monday to Friday. Now, what is the meaning of your labor? Uh, are, you, are you just another work cow, a beast of burden, or in this case, uh, you know, just computer typer of burden? And are, are you just uh, on, on an assembly line? Are you just a meaningless labor unit? 
Or is there a special significance in you, not other, uh, you as an agent of God, being where you are and doing what you do? I think, uh, I think Psalm 90.17 is a promised verse. And I think it behooves us Christians to ask God, what is your particular will in my life in this place? And I'm not saying every keystroke is going to do magic, okay? Not every client you intervene with, you know, comes through as opposed to others. So that's, that's not what I mean. I think that's really trifle. Uh, I, I'm, I'm challenging you to look much beyond uh, than your immediate surroundings and consider eternal things. Um, let me just finish off with one passage here uh, in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. That's 2 Peter 1, 3. Um, here God tells us that He has given us all that we need to live in God's favor and delight. 2 Peter 1, 3 says, His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who called us to his own glory and excellence. Now, sometimes uh, when we read the Bible, uh, we come across amazing characters that God really used, like Elijah, Elisha, who had the triple the gift. Figures like Daniel uh, were in a foreign land in a, in, a, in a context of persecution. He rose to tremendous uh, service. We wonder, what about us? You know, am I... Uh, am I uh, reduced to uh, just one of millions of Christians, uh, an insignificant uh, life? Well, there is no insignificant, insignificant work that God does. And when it comes to our place where we are, what this promise verse tells us is that God has uniquely equipped us with all that we need to make uh, an impactful difference there. The question really is, are we in touch with these units that God has equipped us to, to do those extraordinary things you know, in us, to grow in the relationship with Him, and also to make impact in our surroundings? What has given us uh, what we need for life and godliness? Uh, and we have what it takes because God has given us the gospel. Uh, now, is, is the gospel uh, an insignificant uh, thought notion? Or is it, a, is it a power to transform, as it says in Romans 1.6? Uh, for me, uh, to give a little bit of testimony as well, um, I, I served at a, a, quite a large church in a very happy, comfortable context. But I felt like that old proverbial frog that was getting slowly boiled to death. Do, do you know what I'm talking about? Have you heard, like, you know, if you put a frog in the cold water, and boil it slowly. Uh, frog doesn't really sense the incremental slow change in water, so it just stays there and it just dies. But if you were to try to put frog into boiling water, it'll pop right back out. Because you know, so sometimes we become very uh, dead to our environment, and we think uh, it is so ordinary and it's easy to slumber into like stupor, if you will. Uh, but I think when I was uh, in my second year in uni, God saved me uh, from unbelief to eternal life in Christ in a very radical way. And having a, a good, comfortable, even a church job, 
felt really weird. I mean, I left uh, jobs like many of yours uh, in order to serve God in full-time ministry. But, to, but for a full-time ministry to become just a job, it, it just felt so gross inside, if you will. So I thought, God, I want to really experience the power of the gospel you talk about. Um, and, and, and can I land it somewhere with suitcases and see if you would do something if I just preach and teach the Word of God? Would you do something? And, and that, that's been my experience in, in Sydney for the last 13 years. And it's been hard, uh, but also I feel so privileged to be uh, in touch with so many other amazing Christians uh, making impactful difference in various fields. Uh, I wouldn't trade it for anything. Uh, if you feel like your Christian life is powerless and ordinary, uh, maybe you're just being stewed to death in uh, your lack of recognition of the power of God and His presence and His favor. I want to really challenge you, uh, even as you go out to work, to, to not see yourself as just another, another unit, a, a cash cow for your company, if you will. But you are a, a very special agent of God to make gospel difference for this world. And um, it, it's first your relationship with God first, and then when, when that's alive and when that's living, then God will use that channel uh, to do great things through you to the environment that you're in as well. So can I pray for you? And, uh, and, and after that, I would just want to throw out a quick question that you guys can talk about before you go. Okay? Let me pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, so much for uh, this little cozy space. Thank you for providing us with any space to stand in and to be fed and to hang out with uh, people we like, people we love. God, thank you for placing us in the middle of the city to consider divine things, eternal things, um, the gift of our Lord Jesus and the, the free grace of salvation. Uh, Lord, uh, we thank you for the design of life uh, that, uh, that you have gifted us. Uh, so often we get lost and we try to make the most of uh, what remains of life. And uh, Lord, we run into all kinds of... Uh, desperate dog-eat-dog situation. But Father, you promised greater life, a life uh, that is favored in you, a life that you have sanctioned and commissioned, a life that is set apart because of the gospel. And I pray, Father, that we would live uh, that kind of a gospel-transcendent, set-apart life. Lord, I pray that there would be no Christian who goes to work feeling unaccounted, not special, but I pray that uh, as you have gifted us with all that we need for life and godliness, Father, that we would uh, dig deep into uh, the unique circumstances and place that we're in as your people. And Father, to be able to see how we can be your agents. Father, may your favor rest on us. And God, uh, as we present ourselves as weak vessels, ordinary vessels, God, we pray for your great extraordinary things to be done through our lives. Uh, Lord, we are but a bucket of water uh, or drop of water in the bucket of uh, this mass city uh, or even a, a big ocean of this city. But Father, uh, you are the one who spoke the world into existence. We pray for your great intervention in transforming our relationship with you, God, and make our hearts break into the things that your heart breaks for. 
And God, help us to be your people. And Lord, help us to be your instruments. Pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.